Do you go with the flow? Join us each week as we take one topic from classical Christian education and ask ourselves whether or not we're going with the flow. Welcome back, everybody, to Going With The Flow, a River Academy podcast. My name is Tyler Howitt. And I'm Eric DeVries. And today, we are talking about classical education. Wait a second, Tyler. That's not what I bargained for. Isn't that kind of boring? It is incredibly boring. We read Shakespeare. We read Plato. We read Socrates, Aristotle, Greek philosophers and tragedies, Dante's Inferno, all of just the worst most boring pieces of literature ever written. So what you're telling me is we're going to just basically bore our audience for the next 20 minutes that's, or so. I, that's in our plan. I mean, in our notes, right up at the top, it says bore the audience. Okay, great. Okay, well, I, I think I can do that. We got it. I, I like it. We'll turn our teacher's hats on. You know, right. we'll do what we do best yep. and, and bore our audience. Yeah, bore, bore, bore kids. Well, bore adults, I guess, in this bore case. Bore adults. Well, Eric... Uh, Classical is one of the four. It's, well, it's in the name of the school, right? We are River Acad- the River Academy. We are a classical Christian school. It's one of our four core values. Uh, so I guess it, it's kind of important to know what the heck we're doing with classical. What is, at, at its root, at its core, what is a classical education? What's its goal? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Tyler. When I think about classical education, I would sum it up by saying that that the goal of classical education is to prepare students for lifelong learning. Really, it's to it's to give students a full tool belt so that upon graduation they are are well prepared for whatever future endeavors they want to go into because they've been given tools of learning. So we're preparing them for their jobs in the future. Well, yes, uh, I would, I, I would hope so, I guess. So that's, that's pretty much what I, that's why I get up every morning. <laughs> is, otherwise, I, I, otherwise, just throw in the towel right now. Like, why are we even here? Well, yeah. So, okay, so help me answer a question then that I get, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go into our backgrounds and stuff, but let's, let's tackle the hard question right off the bat. When I have parents um, or, or kids, it's usually the kids, let's be honest, who, uh, who say, Mr. Howitt, you are, you've assigned me an essay on, uh, on the Odyssey why this, what is this going to matter for my future? I'm not going to be a literary scholar. I'm not going to be a historian. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to fix cars for my life. Why, which is fine, which is great. Why are we making them do this stuff that has nothing to do with their careers? Yep. That's a yep, good question. And, you know, I think to, to answer it, I would, uh, I would go into, uh, the nature of a liberal arts education. So classical education and a liberal arts education are really synonymous there. So when you hear people talking out in the public about a liberal arts education, they're really talking about a classical education. And, uh, and so the, the aim of a liberal arts education uh, from the very beginning was to give students a broad based education so that they would remain free human beings. That's why uh, we say liberal. Like it, yes. the root is liberty, right? Yes. It's freedom. Yeah. It's and 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 the reason behind that is because if you uh, if you have a if you have been if your mind has been educated and in this broad spectrum, you think for yourself. You yeah. are a free thinking a free individual, thinker. and 
that free thinking is what enables us to uh, maintain our freedom mm -hmm. as individuals and Lord willing as a country even. So we're actually doing our patriotic duty right oh, here. Oh, totally. We, you know, uh, I mean, I'm just really glad that you have your stars and stripes shirt on right now because I feel as I always do. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, let's let's back up a little bit. I think we'll get into this a, a bit more. We will keep returning to this, but uh, before we get too far into the benefits of a classical education, we should be talking about I think what brought us to it, but also what what does what do we mean when we say classical education. It's a, it's a buzzword. It's getting more popular nowadays. But when we say um, classical education, what, um, what, does that, what does that mean? That, that What do we do differently, I guess, at our school than another school might do that makes it classical? It's, it's interesting because uh, I would actually say that education on the whole is actually shifting towards or maybe a better way to say it would be returning to a more classical approach to education or a more liberal arts approach to education. But really, uh, uh, the, the modern educational system was, uh, was significantly changed in the, uh, in the 18th and 19th century with a lot of the thinking of that era. And, and, education moved away from what had been done, what, what had been practiced for centuries, which was really a classical education, uh, you know, going all the way back to Plato and Aristotle mm -hmm. and, and Socrates. Um, you know, that was the education that was practiced really until the 1800s. And then as, uh, as um, the Industrial Revolution started to form, uh, education started to, to change to prepare students for the industrial revolution and for so a factory job yes or something basically like that. To, yeah. to fill i would say to fill a cog in the machinery of life yeah uh and so they and so instead of instead of reading uh some of the classics they they thought well again it became more pragmatic like what's why the, do we what's need the purpose what's of the reading purpose? the odyssey skip that prepare them to be good factory workers right uh well you know as as you all know the industrial Re revolution has 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 really oh. passed. We're, we're, that, we're out of it now. Yeah, we're yeah. done. And so education is now having to meet new demands. And, and uh, you know, I, I heard a, a, a statistic recently that, um, that the, the jobs that we are preparing our students for now, in four years from now, uh, have not yet been created. So in other words, we're preparing students for jobs that haven't been created yet. So how do you do that? How do you prepare students for a job that hasn't been created? Well, you teach them how to think. Yeah. You teach them how to learn, and then they're going to figure it out. They're right. going to be creative thinkers. They're going to be critical thinkers. They're going to be articulate. And so, so classical education aims at students who think for themselves, students who are critical thinkers, students who are articulate, students who can write, yeah. students who have some of those those soft skills that uh, are incredibly important in today's yeah. job market. Well, and so you're really saying we are we are helping kids prepare for the future by looking to the past. Yes. Like the past structure, the way things used to be. Yes. Does that mean everything, the way that it used to be, everything was better than it is today? I mean, are we are we committing a fallacy? I teach logic here. It's, that sounds to me like a chronological snobbery fallacy. It's old, therefore it's better. Is that what we're doing? Well, 
I was, I was talking with my dad last night and he said, he said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just an old guy and, and the old way is always better. <laughs> oh, and, there we go. Uh, and so there's a sense in which, uh, all of us in every generation, we always think that our way is right, best, of right. course, but I actually, I don't think that that is, is classical. We're not yeah. saying that all the old and old and dead guys are actually always right. That's not really what we're saying. They didn't always use electricity in the past, but we do now, and it's actually okay that we do now. Totally. Aristotle didn't have indoor plumbing. And he didn't. And and actually, Tyler, I I use a smartphone. I, I feel you like use I, a smartphone. I, I feel it, like I need to confess that. See, to I you. think that's uh, that's not Christian okay. all the way. Okay. It's, that's technology of the time, of, of of today, and I just feels that feels wrong. Well, I don't know. So I, now that we have that on the table, so <laughs> we can be okay with yeah, this. We can be okay. Yeah. So really, it's it's we study the ancients and we study mm-hmm. uh, all of the all of the people who have gone before us uh, because really all truth is God's truth, right? right. And the, and as Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. True. So we want to learn from everybody who's gone before us, yeah. So that we've got the sharp mind right. to lead boldly into the future. I completely, completely agree. And and there's something I, I did a you know a bit of reading just to, to kind of uh, resharpen myself for this podcast. And I'm you know uh, a big I'm a diehard you know classical Christian educator. I, I, I love what we what we do and how we do it. Um, and and Joshua Gibbs, uh, who I'll link something about him in the show notes. But Joshua Gibbs talks. Um, quite often. He's a prolific writer for the Searcy Institute, the Center for Independent Research on Classical Education. And he um, he talks a lot about uh, basically that that there's a reason that some of the stuff, that, that the stuff we study has lasted this long. It's not simply it's old, therefore it's better. But we're looking at Augustine or Shakespeare or Milton or these guys who, or, you know, let alone the scripture that has stood the test of time. And because it's it has it has you know weathered the ages it um it is it has shown itself to be worth um investigating and that doesn't mean that all of the stuff that we study is um is gospel truth you know we study the pagans too now that let me throw that to you and and eric you have made me teach ancient literature here at the river academy i i you, you've you made me do it I'm, and I'm doing it. I'm teaching the Iliad and the Odyssey right now. We're going to do, do it well. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we're going to do uh, uh, Plato soon. We're gonna, I'm going to be making these kids question the existence of everything around them. But he is a pagan. He is not Christian. Is that, how is that beneficial for our students to learn? That's a great question. And uh, what I, the way that I answered that question to parents is... Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna transport your question into a little bit more of a modern figure. Okay. And let's talk Karl Marx and communism. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what's what's the best way for a student to learn about communism? Is the best way for a student to learn about communism by reading it in a textbook, or is it by picking up uh, Karl Marx's book, the actual words, the actual words that he wrote, and read it? Yeah. Well, I think that the best way to prepare them is to have them read his work, yeah. and then to say, "Huh, well, what do we think about this? And would this work?" And and in a in a classical Christian school, we tackle these sorts of things in a community. Yeah. We wrestle with them. We hold them up in light of the scriptures, and we say, "What does the scriptures teach about this idea and this idea?" Yeah. And so students are really learning to take 
all of the ideas, yeah. like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So take all of these ideas that have been put forth in the past, and we know that those ideas are going to make their way into the future to some degree or another. Oh, yeah. And um, and you can see some of that even in our political climate right now. Yes, yes, we and can. And so we want our students to be able to take the, you know, to take this thinking and say, well, what does the scripture say about this and be able to clearly articulate, you know, what they think about it. So, so yes, we, we study the pagans because they, uh, you know, all of these ancients and we even study Greek mythology, you know, and talk about Zeus and all of that. Who got up to some hijinks. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Because we want the students to know what has gone before them so that they have a critical mind again to discern the future. Right. And, and like you said, in a, in a safe environment where we can tackle these issues, you know, in a roundtable discussion or, you know, uh, bouncing ideas back and forth and saying, does this actually work? Does this fit? So, so uh, old is one thing, uh, tr- or maybe we say tried and true. Mm-hmm. Um, primary sources yep. is another thing. Um, so reading the actual words, not a textbook or, or Wikipedia summarizing Karl Marx. Um what else makes a classical education classical? Is there something to the structure of the school, the way we do things in the order that we do things? Yeah, the uh, I'll tell a story. When I was in, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Spokane, I had a couple of students who went to a, uh, and this was back in a, in about two thousand three. I had a couple of students who went to a classical Christian school in Spokane, and uh, I uh, had these students share. Uh, at a youth group meeting one night, and I was blown away by how articulate they were. Mm. And that was my first exposure to classical education. Oh, that was before you knew anything about it. Before, I just thought, oh, these kids go to a weird school in Spokane. (laughs) And, um, and then I heard them. I heard them speak to the to the youth group, and I thought, "Wow, they're really good." So then I started asking them questions about their education, and found out that they had received an education that was entirely different than mine. Yeah. And so I that started me on a journey, and then uh, and then a good friend of mine, Corey McEachern, uh, right about the same time, got a job in a classical Christian wow. school. And so then he started sending me books and said, "Hey, you should read about this, and it's kind of cool." And so. Uh, and then uh, in 2004, I started here at the River Academy and have been here uh, for the last 15 years. So, so uh, you know, that's, that was kind of what began yeah. my journey. But, but again, that, that um, articulate student was, was the, my first exposure. And I yeah. thought, I got to learn more about this. And, wow. uh, and then right about that same time, my wife and I uh, had our first child. And so then I was thinking, well, geez, how am I going to educate? educate my own kid. Yeah. And that, I wanted to have that, that experience. Yeah. So, um, so then to get back to your original question, w- what else? So yeah, we read, we read lots of classics. We read lots of primary sources, but what else is uh, distinct about classical? Well, I would say at the elementary level, classical education is giving the kids a solid foundation in all of the core subjects, but especially thinking reading, writing, yeah. and math. Yep. Those are, you know, it, when you think about a, a full tool belt, right. uh, if you are a solid reader, yep. if you are a solid writer, mm-hmm. uh, including grammar, we yep. start grammar as early as first grade, Very uh, early. kids learning about nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, all that fun stuff. Uh, so so uh, having that solid foundation in those early years, uh, we also we also spend a lot of time in those early years doing a lot of uh, memorization through songs, yep. chants, and sound offs, things like that, that 
are uh, because kids actually enjoy memorizing when they're young and they soak it in yeah. uh, a lot easier than I do. <laughs> and so that is kind of what it looks like at the elementary level. About uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade is when we start to change up what we're doing and focus a lot more on critical thinking skills. We do critical yeah. thinking skills all the way through, sure, sure. but that's when we really start to... It's intentional. It's intentional. Yeah. We change up even the structure of how we teach classes and there's a lot more discussion. There's a yeah. lot more uh, debate mm-hmm. and you know, forcing the kids to uh, to own their ideas yeah. and then to clearly articulate them. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach them logic in eighth do. grade. Yeah, a formal logic class mm-hmm. in eighth grade. You do that yep. and uh, and teach them how to argue with their parents. I mean, no, yeah. uh, no, that's not really our intent. We actually <laughs> it's teach a nice them, byproduct. But it's yeah. a byproduct. I'm sorry about that, parents, <laughs> but we we teach them how to how to be critical thinkers, yeah. how to recognize logical fallacies, right. so that when they're re- reading the newspaper. They can see yeah. what's this person arguing, and do I agree? It, is it? And does it, it sounds line? really right, but there's something wrong, or like it feels really right, yes. maybe, but it doesn't work. It doesn't fit yeah. together the right way, which we get distracted by as as fallible humans, yes. right? We we let our emotions kind of get the best of us sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's one of the most important things we do here is is teach that logic class and teach those kids to really start thinking critically. Yeah. Then uh, by the time they get into high school, we're putting a lot of emphasis on the students uh, expressing themselves. Yeah. They, uh, they, um, so they do a lot of writing, yep. uh, including a thesis project in oh, yeah. 10th, 11th and 12th grade, which yep. you spearhead. Uh, by the time they're 12th graders, uh, well, they will have had two years of formal rhetoric yep. and uh, they will write a 20 to 25 page thesis paper, which yep. they pick the topic. They research it themselves with, mm-hmm. an, uh, with the help of an advisor, but research it. They write the 20 to 25 page paper yep. and then they deliver it before a board of faculty for their final project, which is more than a little intimidating. It's for a little. Seniors. And that's like three to, it's about a week before they graduate, three yeah. or five days before yeah. they graduate. So it is literally the last thing that they do before walking out the door. And they know that if they bomb it, it's, it's, it's a it. lot of hard work that's just thrown out the window. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've never had a student not graduate because they, I think they know. Because we get them there. We yeah, get them ready we get for them. it. We, we coach them. Yeah. And the, the thing that I'm always impressed with is last year we had 15 students deliver mm-hmm. thesis presentations. And um, not all of these students are naturally gifted communicators or writers. Nope. But I was blown away by the quality of what these students presented. Yeah. Uh, first of all, that they researched it so thoroughly and had really intelligent arguments to what they were trying to prove. Right. But then they got up and they spoke it in a way that... You know, I would have been I would have been pleased to take a video of any of them and right. stick it on our website because totally. they all did such an awesome job. Yeah. So when I think about students who have that solid foundation in the core subjects in the in the elementary years, yeah. who think critically mm-hmm. and then who can communicate clearly in writing and in speech, right? I feel like we're giving our kids a pretty full tool belt upon graduation to be successful in wherever they go. Right. And 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 you still haven't mentioned preparing them for careers in all of this. Like, so, so I just want to emphasize, you know, we're, we're doing grammar, logic, rhetoric, which we call the trivium is this, this tri, this tripartite, uh, you know, a, a division of, of their education. Which are, just, uh, for reference yeah. that the trivium is the, so this, the liberal arts, there's seven liberal arts right. and the trivium is just the first three the first of three. the seven liberal arts. And they, and they underpin all of them. Every, all the, like math has grammar, logic, and rhetoric in it, you know, gr- yeah. uh, uh, literature and, and writing obviously also has grammar, logic, and rhetoric as well. Um, 
But what we're not teaching them, we are not teaching them, here is how you will um, you know, be an excellent accountant in the future. We are not giving them accounting classes. We're not giving them shop classes. We're not giving them those things. And those are, those are valuable um, in, in other situations. But what we're teaching them to do, like you said, is, um, is to be strong, independent thinkers. Yep. You know, and it, even though this doesn't specifically hit on the classical, but we're also, I, I think, because of the Christian element of what we do, yeah. uh, we're, we're also teaching them to think from that, from that Christian yeah. worldview and, and hopefully, Lord willing, uh, to aim for uh, not just a productive life, but a beautiful life, a life well lived, mm-hmm. uh, a life faithfully lived unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and that's that even in and of itself, um, you know, Socrates talks about the unexamined life not being uh, worth living or is, is not a worthwhile life. Um, we're, we want the kids to uh, to examine their life, to examine what they what they do. And and the way that we talk largely about careers or the, the, their future is not, OK, so what job are you going to get? What are you going to major in in college? And, and we ask those things, but we're looking, how are you going to impact the world? Mm-hmm. Um, our, our kind of tagline for the, for the school, our subtitle for the school is ex, uh, educating Christian leaders. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's what we actually are really caring about. It's, it's much less, I would say that's also the, the cl- uh, part of the classical um, ethos is how are you going to impact the world? Yeah around you yeah well and this is a little bit of a diversion but i think i I think often about the quote from albert einstein where he says that uh that education is Mm -hmm. what remains when you forget everything you learned in school and you know all of us can relate to the fact that we don't really remember what we learned in our ninth grade history class no but uh the character that comes the tools that you have in your tool belt upon graduation that's really what what makes yep. an education, um, and, and and I think uh, you know, and, and like you said, we it's not as though we don't launch our kids well. In right. fact, we've just hired I a college and career exactly. person to help launch our uh, students into the next stage of life and and really get them uh, well prepared. And uh, quite honestly, uh, I've uh, the reports that we have had from all of our graduates is that they feel more than adequately prepared for everything that they meet in college, regardless of what types of fields they go into, whether it's, you know, whether they go into an engineering field or a nursing field or an education field, they feel well prepared yeah. across the board. That's that's what our graduates tell us. Do you have, uh, that's, so that's anecdotal, and I've heard the same thing. The kids will tell us that, you know, they're really well prepared to write in college and things like that. Do you have any stats, any statistics that, that, uh, speak to preparedness in college yeah. or in the future? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, the liberal arts, so if you, in the education world, everything has been about STEM right. for the last 20 years or so. It's all about that science, technology, math, education. It's Every just, once in a while they throw us a bone and throw the A yeah. in there and we get yeah. steam for yeah. the arts, but yeah. it's like an afterthought. Yeah, so, but that's been, that's been the rage. Well, interestingly, um, the job market is shifting to where liberal arts students are actually being sought out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've read several art- articles about this just in the last, you know, people put an article in my box and I'll read it and I'll think, oh, right. that's really cool. And, and, and that's, you know, that's 
kind of what we're here for. That's totally. what we think. We think we are preparing these critical thinkers, send them out into the world, and they're going to be potent. They're going to be powerful. But the the job market is actually starting to recognize this. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's, it's been a while since I did some research. So I just, before this podcast, I thought, you know, I'm going to do a little more research. So I just did a couple of Google searches and I had to stop reading after two hours because there were so many articles yeah. that were that were hinting to the fact that liberal arts students are actually in demand right now. They're actually, uh, in fact, I read one article that says, uh, that said it was from a tech company. It said why your next hire will likely be a liberal arts oh, wow. student. And, you know, so it's, it's starting to gain some traction yeah. out there because people are recognizing that when you have students that have a well-trained mind, yeah, uh, they'll pick up the technical skills. It's kind of like, right. It's kind of like uh, those of us who have kids, you know, when we give our kids an iPhone um, and let them play with it for five hours, oh, yeah. they know more about the phone than I do uh, because, you know, we pick it up. Intu- They're eager you know, to Kids learn. pick it up intuitively. Yep. And the same is true um, with, with some of those technical skills is that they can be picked up as they go totally. or they can choose to, you know, yeah. to major in that, um, you know, as they go on throughout their education. But but that well-trained mind mm-hmm. is the most important component. And that's what a liberal arts education does. And, and that's what we're, we're building into them. We're, we throw at them some pretty difficult stuff here. I'll let, you know, the, the names that we've, we've rattled off, you know, your Plato, your Dante, Shakespeare, things like that, that we, that we give them to read. Um, it's daunting to the kids. You know, it, oh, you expect me to read this real fat book written by this old dead guy? Um, and then they do. You know, and do they get every word of it, you know, completely the first time? Are they going to be, you know, um, you know, are they going to be writing as well as Shakespeare, you know, a week later? Maybe not. But what they are going to do is is start soaking it up and start realizing what can I glean from these? And and I do find my students and I try to point it out when, when I hear it. They will start quoting them every once in a while, or it, they'll say, "Oh, you remember last year we read this thing," and then they'll they'll rattle off some you know a paraphrase of, of something that that you know Plato said, and I I will point to, "Hey, ah, you remember when you scoffed at me and you you made fun of me for making you read this? This is why, um, because these kids are, you know, one incredibly talented. You know, kids are just kids are sponges and are ready to to be um, to be picking this up." Um, and if you, if we as educators also begin underestimating them and treating them like, you know, cogs in a machine that, um, you know, of the eventual job market, then we're, um, then we're doing them a disservice as well. Um, I think we've got one more question before we get to our, do we go with the flow? Uh, we've got parents here and, and you and I both, neither of us were classically educated. The school that I was at growing up, um, just through elementary school was sort of turning into a classical school, but I didn't get Latin and stuff like that. Um, I did in eighth grade, I got logic. That's and it's, in fact, it's the same logic course that we teach here, the exact same one. Um, but, uh, but largely not edu- educated at a, at a classical school. Our parents here at this school are generally not educated in a classical school. How can they help their kids. How do they support their kids? I, I get I get the sense that a lot of the parents are uh, um, wonder, you know, hey, I, I don't know anything about logic. I don't know anything about rhetoric. I just kind of trust that you guys are gonna do your job with them. How can they come alongside and support their kids uh, in an education that they didn't get? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, uh, this is what I will typically tell parents, and that is that actually part of an, a classical education is 
to let them do the work, let them fight through it, let them, you know, let them dig hard on the math problems. Now, all of us as parents want to come alongside our kids and we want to help them. And and we want you to come alongside your kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, but really some of the best things that you can do are to let your kids struggle. Let them, let them fight it through because that's what's creating that critical thinking mind, that mind that can solve problems uh, because they've developed a habit of it. One of my favorite things that uh, uh, Ashley Kempel, our calculus teacher, does is um, she, uh, well, she'll probably uh, be mad at me for saying this, but <laughs> she hardly teats, teaches calculus. Uh, she she just puts problems on the board and then makes the kids solve them. And it's amazing to watch these kids it's come into the so classroom cool. and, and then they just start putting pen to whiteboard yep. and try something and then when that doesn't work they erase it and they try again well what's that doing it's creating problem solvers and 100%. that's and i can't think of anything that our world needs more more excuse me than problem solvers right yeah. now well and and i've seen the same thing too that's that's what we would we would also call that's the rhetoric of of math at that point too they are beginning to learn how to express all of the stuff that they've learned up until this point they've they're synthesizing all of the things that they have learned and are, are having to figure it out. And it's, that's, that's how we get this, this interdisciplinary and, you know, um, and trivium-based approach where they learned the grammar of math when they were learning their 2 plus 2. And then when they got into algebra, then it's, it's that logic and problem solving. And now we get into calculus and it's, okay, it's your turn now. Do, do your thing. And it's beautiful. It's really cool to see. Well, Eric, that is a lot that we uh, that we just put in here. The lot that we did over the last uh, twenty five, almost thirty minutes now. Uh, short answer: Is it worth it? Uh, all of this have we have we been going with the flow, um, you know, educationally, and and is it worth it? Well, I'll answer the "is it worth it" question uh, first. Absolutely, emphatically. Yeah. What I'm seeing in our graduates, what I, graduates, what I'm seeing in my own children, absolutely, yep. totally worth it. They are, uh, and actually, what I'm hearing from parents and from students who mm-hmm. transfer to the River Academy from other educational institutions, yeah. uh, remark about just some of the differences that are here. And so, absolutely. Uh, second question: Are we going with the flow? Well. Uh, if you would have asked me 15 years ago when I first started at the River Academy, yeah. I would have said, no, we are swimming way upstream on right. this one. But interestingly, I actually think we're going with the flow right now. There is a huge movement toward liberal arts, towards yeah. a classical education in our country. And and so I actually think we may be like on the front on the edge, leading edge. Oh. of going with the flow. Yeah. One, one more thing, Tyler. Yeah, sure. Should we give them a teaser to next week? Oh, actually, yeah. Uh, Eric has been Eric has been planning, which is always a bad thing. Okay, so next week, should Christians read Harry Potter? I'm so excited. And this of course, was not my idea. Yeah, I, I want to say though, this was Eric's idea, yeah, not mine. Yep. So and I love it. Join us next week for that. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be fantastic. Should Christians read Harry Potter? I can't wait. So as always. Follow us uh, on on Facebook. Find us. Uh, you can find us there. The riveracademy.org um, has a link to our uh, to the podcast there. But you can find out more about the school. You can see resources about the school there. Um, wherever you find your podcasts, subscribe to us there. Uh, we're, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, pretty much all the all the major ones subscribe to us there so that you just get a notification whenever we come out on Monday mornings but also give us a rating it helps us to, to be discovered uh, five stars would of course be appreciated um, and then it just helps us to, to make our way on the charts and for people to find us out 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Going With The Flow, a River Academy podcast. Follow us on Facebook at The River Academy and find us online at www.theriveracademy.org. Also, rate and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.